Today I'm speaking to Father Dan Cambra, MIC, author of Prayers and Practices for the Souls in Purgatory. Father Dan, it's good to be with you today. I hope that it's going to be good with you, too. First off, let's just ask kind of the basic modern question. How do we know that purgatory exists? Well, you know, it, it kind of flows out of the basic logic of uh, who we are. And uh, I don't really say that uh, I know you perfectly, mm -hmm. but I do know you well enough to know that occasionally you are less than perfect. Mm-hmm. And the reason I see that so clearly in you is because I see it even more clearly in myself. None of us is perfect. Mm -hmm. At least nobody I've bumped into in my lifetime. Uh, I, I remember one time somebody caught me in that statement and said, Father Dan, I've seen a picture of you with St. John Paul II. Are you saying he wasn't perfect? And I said, you know what? The funny thing is I had a, an occasion when I observed Pope John Paul II getting angry with someone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I can honestly say, yes, even saints are sometimes less than perfect. Mm -hmm. And uh, later this month, we're going to be celebrating the feast of uh, St. Pio of Petrolicina. And Padre Pio was uh, criticized both in his lifetime and after his lifetime that he was not always perfect. He was not always in the best possible of cheery moods. And that sometimes caused people to think that he wasn't very holy. And it's like, no, he was holy. Pope mm -hmm. John Paul II, certainly a saint, he was holy. I think you and I have had our moments of uh, blazing holiness. But uh, that doesn't mean that we're perfect. And precisely because we are imperfect, and our faith teaches us that God is perfection itself, we have to uh, come to a conclusion that God in his mercy and love for us, who has created us and, and tolerates our imperfection, is not going to welcome us into his presence where we would be uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but rather to give us, as it was, a final opportunity for purification. And that's what Catholics refer to as purgatory, an opportunity when finally we are purged of any lingering appreciation, if you will, mm -hmm. of our sinfulness. Hmm. You know, I, I've often heard people say something about uh, their favorite sin. You know, we all have favorite sins, and um, my favorite sin is, changes from moment to moment, but it usually focuses on either chocolate or ice cream, and chocolate ice cream always comes to the top. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if I could give up that that sin, we would only discover all of my other sins as well. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to hope, as a sign of God's merciful love for me, that there is a purgatory by which I won't be condemned to hell for having had an attachment to sin in my life. Mm -hmm. 
So that's an interesting way to put it, that our sins are a sign of the existence of purgatory. I don't know if yeah, I've that. you know, it's, it's kind of a funny way to phrase it, but I, it works for me at least. Yeah. I, I remember as a child, I mean, we're talking like five or six years old. My great-grandmother frequently was my babysitter, and uh, one day she decided we would go for a walk from uh, home all the way to the church to light some candles Mm -hmm. for holy souls in purgatory. And uh, so we walked to the church, and because of my diminutive age and my diminutive height, she was going to light all the candles for us. And she lit one, and we would say a prayer for somebody, and she would light another one, and she would say a prayer for somebody else. And I said, can I light one too? And let me light one as well. And as I was lighting the candle, I could feel the heat on my forearm from a different person's candle who had already been lit and, and burning. And I quickly pulled my hand back and said, ooh, very hot. And she said, well, you know what? If you don't stop being a bad boy, you're going to end up someplace much harder than that candle. Mm-hmm. That was my first lesson on purgatory. <laughs> That's a memorable way to I, encounter it. And it kind of stuck with me more than most uh, childhood memories mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, I really need to work at cleaning up my act mm-hmm. because uh you know, it, it's St. Paul that, that writes the best biblical proof on purgatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, he talks about how that which is not of God will be purged out of us mm-hmm. as if by fire. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a difficult phrase, as if by fire. Mm-hmm. Because St. Catherine of Genoa talks about the fire of God's love purifying out of us everything that is not wholly godlike. Now, that might seem unpleasant, and I'd be the first one to say, if uh, suddenly you find yourself in a situation where you discover you are about 15 pounds overweight and you can't fit into a suit or a dress that you wanted to wear for a special occasion, mm-hmm. it is absolute agony trying to lose that weight because you have this rather short frame of a time schedule in which to lose it in order to fit into that dress or that suit or whatever. And it's absolutely miserable and painful and everything in the universe looks just so good to eat suddenly. Mm -hmm. But we have to purge ourselves of one sinful tendency in order to achieve a higher good of being able to fit into the outfit for a special occasion. And I think that in a certain sense, it's the same way with purgatory. We need to be purged of everything that's not godlike in order that as a truly godlike Christian, we can enter into the full joy and happiness of being in the presence of God in heaven for all time. So in light of all of that, why did St. Stanislaus Papchinsky, who founded your congregation, have such a focus on the holy souls in purgatory? Uh, as 
as I have repeatedly said to uh, people, mm-hmm. it's kind of uh, difficult to explain to somebody who's not already a fairly well-educated Catholic. Okay. Because Father Stanislaus is no different than um, most any other saint who's ever lived. Mm-hmm. Father Stanislaus Pachinski, uh had some very profound personal experiences of his prayer benefiting the souls in purgatory. Now, that certainly made him much more unique than the average Catholic, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it put him out of the experience of most saints. When you say he had some One, profound experiences, you mean he saw purgatory? Absolutely. When he was celebrating Mass, on at least two occasions, mm-hmm. separately recorded by witnesses, not by him, but by witnesses, on at least two occasions when he was in the middle of celebrating Mass, he obviously became transfixed, staring just below the altar where he was celebrating Mass. Mm-hmm. What he saw as souls clamoring for his prayers in purgatory. Hmm. Uh, very early on in my life, my great grandmother instilled a devotion of praying for the poor souls in purgatory, as I already alluded to, but my whole family was pretty much focused on it, uh, on praying for the souls in purgatory. I remember going to funerals of relatives and friends of relatives and friends of friends, even. When I was growing up, going to funerals and going to weddings was just about the whole social life of my family. And um, so when I was an altar boy, I became, uh, I just wanted to be the best possible altar boy so that I would be chosen to uh, assist at funeral masses. Not only did it get out, get me out of school, but mm-hmm. uh, the side benefit was that I might get a buck or two, especially if I sang well at the um, liturgy. You know, sometimes the funeral director or sometimes the mourning family would, would give a little token gift to the altar servers as well as to the priest. A different culture. I, I, Say it, but all those little tokens of monetary appreciation mm-hmm. kind of built up the sense in me that uh, there was something good to be had in praying for the souls in purgatory, because praying for them meant that other people were disposed to my needs and my mm-hmm. wants. And Stanislaus encouraged his fellow Marian to pray for the souls in purgatory because he said he, he got a glimpse at the intense burning desire for them to be in heavenly glory. St. Faustina, um, who is the woman that received the revelation of divine mercy back in the 1930s, -hmm. had experience of the souls asking her for prayers. And, And she said that, when she had a mystical encounter with the souls in purgatory, she was 
aware of the fact that at their first personal judgment, mm-hmm. they got a of the heavenly glory, but understood that they were not fit to be in its presence and had to be purified in purgatory. But that was part of the burning desire within them, the desire to be with God. And I think that Father Stanislaw Paczynski had a similar experience that the reason he saw the souls in purgatory while he was celebrating Mass was because that was as close as they could comfortably come Mm -hmm. to the presence of God. He said the, the idea that God was becoming present on the altar meant that they could approach somewhat closer and hopefully inspire us, the living, to pray for them because they wanted to pray for us. Mm-hmm. But their prayers were less effective because they were in purgatory. Uh, St. Faustina and, to a lesser degree, uh, St. Nicholas of Tolentino had uh, experiences of souls who had passed from purgatory into heaven mm-hmm. and then came back and gave them the insight that now they were able to assist both St. Nicholas and St. Faustina, among other things, they were able to assist those saints because now in heaven they could pray for them more. Mm-hmm. Padre Pio uh, used to tell his spiritual children that they needed to pray for the souls in purgatory so that once they got out of purgatory and they were in heavenly glory, their, their prayers would be infinitely of greater value to mm-hmm. the people prayed for them, and had gotten them out of purgatory. Mm-hmm. We do it when we, as living members of the body of Christ, offer a plenary indulgence, either on our own terms, or if we offer plenary indulgence through the hands of the Virgin Mary, because we've gone through the consecration of uh, St. Louis de Montfort to the Blessed Virgin. Mm-hmm. Mary distributes those graces, and We don't even know who the souls in heaven are that are praying for us. Mm -hmm. But we have an opportunity by the end of the year to have 365 more saints in in heaven simply by our offering a daily plenary indulgence for them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't mean to to slide over St. Stanislaw Spopchinsky's charism of praying for the souls in purgatory. He was so... um, attuned to making this part of the charism of our religious community, mm-hmm. that in his rule of 1687 and 1694, he, he made it very clear that we each and every Marian need to have a zeal and a piety and a fervor to, to assist the souls of the faithful departed to expiate for their sins so that they might be part of the heavenly glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like for you, there's there's both kind of a family tradition in your love of the souls in purgatory and also an inspiration from the lives of the saints. Which one came a- first for you? A- actually, uh, they dovetail beautifully. Hmm. When, when I was looking for a religious community, I, I had, I uh, should back it up just a tad bit more. When I was looking 
to find where I could fulfill my desire to be a priest. My first uh, place that I looked was at a diocesan seminary, which I joined in 1972 as an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1972 was not a good year for uh, Catholic seminaries in the United States. And when that year uh, came to an end, so to speak, I, I found myself running out the uh, exit door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very clearly not meant for diocesan life. And it took me a few years. It took me about another five years to uh, finally find a religious community that I wanted to join and that was willing to give me the opportunity to explore my vocation. When I found the Marians, I was actually trying to decide between the Jesuits and the Oblates of Mary Immaculate because I wanted to join a community that uh, worked with youth and was involved in education. Mm -hmm. And at that time, the Marians were involved in a high school in Connecticut and uh, very much thought that this was the right community for me because I I saw the piety in the lives of the priests that worked there, and I saw the dedication to youth ministry. And then while I was just beginning to explore the idea of joining the Marians, I found out that one of their charisms was that we were the first uh, religious community to have as its charism, praying for the souls, first men's religious community, to have as its charism, praying for the souls in purgatory. <laughs> and I, I say that in couched terms, because I think that there were other communities that had that as their focus, but they no longer existed in 1972. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so kind of hard to join a community that's already died out. Yeah. But the Marian. We're, we're still uh, a community that I could join. And when I found out that Father Stanislav Stavchinsky had such a devotion for the souls in purgatory, I thought to myself, this is where I need to be, because this is exactly the spirituality of the family that of my origin, as well as now my religious family, the Marians of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. And when I founded the Sodality, for the Holy Souls, the whole reason it became uh, so important to me was precisely because I saw this as a key to opening up, um, how to speak, uh, opening up uh, the conversation, so to speak, mm-hmm. on talking of praying for the souls in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Because we had very did it, and we announced our annual novena for the souls in purgatory the first nine days of november but i felt that we needed to do something about letting other people know and getting laity to join us in praying for the souls in purgatory Mm -hmm. and not why that there was just one right way to do this but to, to make it perfectly obvious that any way in which somebody wants to assist the souls in purgatory is excellent, Mm -hmm. because each one of us, in a certain sense, makes up for what's lacking in the body of Christ, as St. Paul says. Yeah, 
Hey, explain a bit more about the Holy Soul Sodality. A lot of people today have never even heard of a Sodality. That's almost impossible for me to imagine. <laughs> a sodality is, is just a fancy old term for an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a group of like-minded associates uh, who basically assist one another mm-hmm. in achieving a particular goal. And the sodality of the holy souls in purgatory has as its goal to promote prayers for the souls in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Any which way to do it. Okay. And how would people sign up? By simply uh, writing to the Marian Helper Center in Stockbridge, Massachusetts, and saying, I want to join the Holy Soul Sodality. Okay. There's also I should mention there's also a website, PrayForSouls.org, um, for oh, all that, of you listening yeah, to this podcast you, online. You have all of those uh, uh, new new ways of contacting people. <laughs> yes, tradition develops. Yeah, thank goodness it develops. Yep. Yeah. What are some of your favorite devotions for the Holy Souls? Uh, my very, very favorite devotion for the holy souls in purgatory mm-hmm. is uh, the the daily stations of the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine, Susan Tasson, wrote a book, The Stations of the Cross for the Souls in Purgatory. And it is very often my my first prayer of the day is to pray the Stations of the Cross for the Souls in Purgatory. But when I say that, I know some people immediately go, wow, that's a lot. I don't know if I can make Stations of the Cross every day, first thing in the morning. And I respond by saying, well, then how about three Hail Marys? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if three Marys is too much, then how about Jesus, I trust in you, or, mm-hmm. or some other simple ejaculatory prayer. So uh, obvious, the um, the uh, plenary indulgences, which is, is a little flyer that we put out, mm-hmm. uh, is a great tool, and you can switch from one to the next. For the longest time, my favorite plenary indulgence was uh, to pray a rosary, preferably, I mean, originally with family, but... Um, Later, I learned to pray the rosary by myself before the Blessed Sacrament reserved in the tabernacle or pray the rosary with other members of the congregation, either before Mass or after Mass. Mm-hmm. Daily communion, pray for the intentions of the Holy Father and be in a state of grace and go to confession at least twice a month. And That pretty much covered the feel on the plenary indulgences for gaining a soul's release Mm -hmm. from purgatory. And since I had already made the consecration, the Immaculate Conception, uh, and the consecration to Mary, according to St. Louis de Montfort, I knew that Mary was picking the soul for me, so that Mm -hmm. was not another thing to think about. Yeah. Okay. 
Do the Divine Mercy devotions have a place in our service to the Holy Souls in Purgatory? Absolutely. Whenever uh, somebody, as a priest, whenever somebody would ask me to come and anoint a soul because they thought they were actively dying, Mm -hmm. I would quickly begin praying a Divine Mercy chaplet, asking God to give me the opportunity to get to their bedside to anoint them and to give them the apostolic blessing before they die. Mm-hmm. And they died very often. If they were parishioners, they were already familiar with the Divine Mercy because uh, it was part of our parish devotions on a regular basis. So I would invite them to pray with me a uh, Divine Mercy chaplet for the repose of the soul that had just died. Mm-hmm. I used to do it at wakes. And uh, sometimes when we found out that somebody uh, significant had died or somebody uh, of some importance to us as a group had died, I would suggest that we pray a Divine Mercy chant. Most people, once they become familiar with the Divine Mercy chaplet, are um, willing to uh, go along with it, if you will. I don't want to say everybody embrace having to pray for uh, seven to ten minutes uh, too easily, but most people seem to be willing to just go along with whatever program that people are suggesting at the moment. And Divine Mercy was precisely the prayer that St. Faustina would offer when uh, she was asked by Jesus to bilocate to the bed of somebody who was dying a difficult death. Mm -hmm. And on several occasions, she writes in her diary that when she arrived on the scene, because Jesus had placed her in the room of a dying person, and she would arrive on the scene, she would immediately reach for her rosary and begin praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And sometimes she would see the devils actually fleeing from that bedroom, mm-hmm. and she would see the, the dying person suddenly become calm and relaxed and even smile and die in happy pose. Mm-hmm. And I certainly have seen it myself. So, uh, yeah, I think that praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, either for the dying or for the recently departed, makes a whole lot of sense. Okay. How does devotion to Our Lady accompany devotion to the Holy Souls? Well, when uh, Faustina uh, wrote in her diary at uh, paragraph uh, 19, first book of, of, of her diary, she talks about her guardian angel taking her to purgatory, and she said she clung ever close to her guardian angel because uh, she was just terrified of what she was beholding. But mm-hmm. the end of her first visit to purgatory with her guardian angel, she saw Our Lady, star of the sea, come to purgatory and comfort the souls in purgatory. And um, that's, that's something that other saints have talked about, that... Uh, Mary appeared to the souls in purgatory as a more of a mother mm-hmm. than as a queen, more as someone 
who gave them solace and comfort in the midst of their suffering, pouring out the prayers of the faithful upon the fires of purgatory, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I say it will because we've got to understand purgatory is a metaphysical reality. Mm-hmm. So it's not fire like a burning log in a fireplace is fire. It's more like fire, like you feel a burning in your heart when you're in love with someone. Mm-hmm. When you suddenly feel uh, a deep and profound desire to be in the presence of a loved one. Mm-hmm. That's the fire that purgatory is. It, it purges everything that's unloving in us. Mm-hmm. And Our Lady sometimes would pour out the prayers of the faithful on these souls that had a deep burning desire in them so that they would relax, be calm, mm-hmm. ease with the, if you will, the slow process of being prepared for heavenly glory. Yeah. I remember when I was growing up, we used to have numbers attached to the value, to indicate the value of certain indulgence prayers. And uh, I'm I'm glad we don't do that anymore. I know that I understand the thinking behind attaching numbers and value to um, indulgence prayers, but I think the way we understand it now is much better. Mm-hmm. And that understand that some give partial relief and some give plenary relief to the souls in purgatory. And even the prayers that give partial relief, if they in some way inspire us to greater fervor, they're of, they're of infinite value, mm-hmm. because love, love ultimately is of infinite value. And of course, so then in some ways, the whole ministry of the Holy Solicitality is encouraging that love, Encouraging love for the souls in purgatory, for those who are just passing. And and not just love, uh, if you will, uh, gratitude. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that die that we don't really love them like we love friends or family, but we're grateful for mm-hmm. uh, they uh, did something to improve the condition of society. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, Fulton Sheen, I think, is the one that kind of started this, but it was also Father, Father Benedict Groeschel that kind of uh, put it in my head that, that we should pray for our favorite entertainers that die. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, time was that being an entertainer meant that you might tell jokes about yourself, or you might dance, or you might sing. And every now and then when I hear about uh, a particular performer that I liked, that had in some way uh, brought me joy or happiness, I I pray for them. I mean, I'm grateful that they shared whatever natural gifts they had to entertain and make our life here on earth more pleasant. Mm-hmm. And every then it does happen that even a politician 
<laughs> does a degree of good in the world and you think we are better off that this person uh, did uh, the public works that he did do. You know, uh, I think all too often we just uh, have a tendency to think very uh, little esteem for uh, politicians, but we have some very excellent politicians in the world these days. Mm -hmm. Hmm. It's an interesting point. And, and I suppose then, of course, loving your enemies would mean that we also pray for the people who didn't do good, the ones whose salvation may even be doubtful or dodgy. Absolutely. Huh. It's an interesting thought, sort of the, the heroes and the rogues gallery. And we pray for the yep. one out of gratitude and the other out of gratitude that they're gone for even... And you have you've talked over the years that we're not just praying for the holy souls, but we can pray to the holy souls. Can you explain that a bit? Oh golly! As a matter of fact, I was very recently uh, had a a rather pressing difficulty. My mother needed to get an appointment to um, have fluid drained from her left hip and get a cortisone shot. Mm -hmm. One of the hospitals, the hospital that she was more familiar with and more comfortable with, put her on a waiting list to wait five weeks to get that shot. And, and I said, oh, there has to be another solution. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to um, a nurse, and this uh, nurse practitioner suggested to me that I should go and ask at another hospital. And I asked at another hospital. It's about a 40-minute ride away. You know, not the end of the world, but it's a bit of a distance for uh, somebody my mother's age who's not doing well. And um, I called this morning to see if there was any appointments available. And uh, I guess whoever was doing the scheduling thought that I was asking for an appointment that day. Because she said, oh, there's nothing I can do for you. But tomorrow afternoon at 2.15, there's an opening. Hmm. <laughs> I immediately thanked the souls in purgatory or, or whatever soul it was in heaven that had been in purgatory yeah. before they got plenary indulgence. <laughs> hmm. I thanked them for uh, sending me to the right hospital, to the right scheduling person, who got me an appointment tomorrow for my mother instead of waiting five weeks mm. to get an appointment at the hospital that she wanted to go to initially. Yeah. Yes, I believe very firmly that uh, whatever soul uh, Mary dispenses, whatever plenary indulgence or partial indulgences that I might acquire for them, mm -hmm. they be perpetually grateful for my prayers and intercede for me. And unlike praying to uh, another known saint, this soul knows me personally yeah. as the source of his or her getting into heaven. And they are personally tugging on Jesus's hem and saying, what about him? What about him? 
what about him? Because <laughs> we all know the story about the, the woman that came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his cloak. Mm-hmm. We all know the story of Jesus encouraging people to be persevering in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I always like to point out to people somebody like St. Monica, who prayed for years upon years mm-hmm. that Augustus give up his sinful ways. Mm-hmm. And she was happy when he gave up his first mistress, but that wasn't the end of it, as we all know. He had to go through a, a, a little bit more purification on this side of life before he finally became a Catholic mm-hmm. and ultimately was ordained a priest and then ordained a bishop and then became one of the great doctors of the early church. Mm-hmm. What would have happened if Monica had given up after the first 15 or 20 years of praying for her son, St. Augustine. Mm-hmm. Perseverance always is ultimately rewarded by God, yep. and he wants to do that. And of course, this will be a perennially necessary ministry because there's going to be souls in purgatory probably till the end of the world, right? Unless everybody suddenly becomes perfect, yes. What do you mean? That's not already the case? Oh. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I know I'm not. And I've got a suspicion about you. <laughs> oh, you know. So November November's the month the church traditionally has for dedicated to the holy souls, praying for the holy souls and all that. Talk to me about how your book could help prepare people to celebrate November more more productively, you might say. Uh, I guess my hope behind the book Mm -hmm. is that it might inspire uh, just a little bit more fervor Mm -hmm. in anybody who reads it. I mean, it is not a a theological tome. Mm -hmm. It is it is just uh, a very um, ordinary priest's uh, musings. Uh, it, it, I put it on the same level as uh, a cheap Reader's Digest. Not, not real Reader's Digest, but the next step down from Reader's Digest. <laughs> They're just short little um, chapters that are meant to be, you know, read it in your spare moments kind of stuff. This is not a book that you sit down and read from cover to cover in a, in a single day, although it's written simply enough to be read in a single day. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a little bit of read a page or two and then move on to the rest of your life. Yeah, And I think that it's precisely in that aspect that it can inspire people or it can instill fervor in mm-hmm. people. And that kind of reminded me of what one of my church history teachers told me, that the reason for reading church history mm-hmm. is to look at the lives of other people down through the ages and see how they might inspire us to be better people on our own. And the whole reason for the book is to inspire people to be better prayer warriors for the souls in purgatory. And hopefully, those souls will become souls in heaven 
who will be intercessors for them in this life. Mm-hmm. And if it really works out well, they might not have to spend any time in purgatory. Yeah. They might actually pass from this life into heaven. It's the St. Therese hope. Yes. Father, thanks so much for being with me today. I've been speaking to Father Dan Cambra, author of Prayers and Practices for the Souls in Purgatory. Thank you for having me, Chris. To order Prayers and Practices for the Souls in Purgatory by Father Dan Cambra with Andrelico, please visit shopmercy.org. This has been Sparks of Mercy. Thanks for listening. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Jesus, I trust in you. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.